0: ministry, and uh, he was a, a Vietnam vet, highly decorated, and he uh, is heading up uh, buying jackets. I don't know if you've been to Costco, but they've got these kind of big overcoat-type jackets, and they cost 20 bucks a piece. And for the last three years now, two or three years now, our church has actually in its entirety paid for these jackets. Uh, he's shooting to get, uh, I want to say, 60 jackets, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe more than that. Maybe more like 90, but uh, he, he's so it's kind of a big push uh, that we're going for. If you have uh, uh, you know any inclination or, or heart to, to give to that, just make it clear. You know, Christmas uh, veterans jackets. You know, put in uh, five bucks, ten bucks, twenty bucks buys a jacket. And so uh, we're gonna have a party here on the 23rd. It's gonna look like this. Uh, although none of you are invited and not that we don't want you here, but we couldn't fit everybody. We're having probably 130 homeless veterans from Bakersfield are going to be descending upon our church here and uh, we're, we're providing jackets. We're paying for a really nice lunch. Uh, we're just gonna bless the socks off them and we're going to give them some socks. So uh, So please uh, keep that in mind and if you see Wayne, uh, if there's any way you he can help, uh, that would be awesome. This Wednesday, our youth group is having a Christmas party. Uh, so, for those of you who know some high school kids or uh, are interested in having them connect with the youth group, this party is a great way to do it. And so, that's this Wednesday. It's going to be at Andrew and Rachel's house. They live right here in the Northwest. Wonderful big house, uh, great for having youth parties. Uh, they've got a um, the pool, uh, not a swimming pool, uh, you know, table pool. They have a swimming pool too, but I don't think he may me be swimming this Wednesday. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> also on uh, uh, the uh, youth are going to be helping with this on uh, <clears throat> this Wednesday. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, the Christmas party. Yeah, it's still a bit of the same night. Uh, also, this Wednesday, as part of the Christmas party, the youth will be putting together uh, some uh, packages for the Challenger Youth Outreach. Uh, you know, all sections of our ministries. We tried to, you know really get outreach going, and so this Wednesday, we'll also be putting together packages for the Challenger Youth Outreach, and then uh, Church Without Walls, we had to cancel the December 12th uh, Church Without Walls event, uh, just, you know, some background noise, and that's not going to work, but for those of you who want to just add uh, some real reason for the season this year, uh, we're inviting you to come out with us on December 26th. I went on November 28th, the day after Thanksgiving, and it was awesome. I mean, talk about, you know, just a place where the Holy Spirit is dripping everywhere. There's no doubt about it that Jesus is there uh, amongst uh, the people of the streets. And uh, it was just amazing. And so I want to encourage you to head on out on December 26th. If you got some clothes that you're not using or some items that can be given away, we set up tables. They come, and it's just free. It's just given. And so you can bring that here to the church. we got a box out there. Uh, bring those, and we'll make sure it gets there on the 26th. Last but not least, and this is important. We have about 24 people working really hard on a Christmas party. And they're doing it because they want to provide something for the community, but also for our church. Something to really, truly celebrate Christmas. It's called Christmas Apocalypse. And the theme of the story is really, uh, say, some sort of you know, natural catastrophe happens where we're thrust back into the Stone Age. and All, all we can t- find out about Christmas is through the old traditional Christmas carols, which are sermons in and of themselves what would we find? And it's a really neat interaction. Uh, I encourage you, you will, not, you will not be dismayed at this. This is an excellent, excellent play and they're working very hard. And so uh, not this Friday, but the next uh, Friday and Saturday, the 19th and the 20th at 6.30 p.m. We'll have snacks and all d'oeuvres and we'll set everything up. You see part of the set now, they're in quarantine zone 24. The whole set will be up then. And I just—if you got a, you know, something to write down or a a calendar or whatever—I would jot that in whether you're going to go or not to remind yourself because it is going to be awesome. Amen. Amen. All right. I have something funny uh, to get going here uh, from one of my favorite shows, and then we're going to talk about giving grace. Giving grace. You got a video? Ready to go? Hold on. Hold on. There we go. If the lights go out, it's usually good. You
1: guys, open my present. What? Uh, oh, oh yeah, yeah, uh, very nice, thank you. <laughs> That's it, did you see what it was? What, yeah, it was a toaster. Did you open the box? Yeah. You, you saw what it said, what, what did it say? I don't know, Toast Pro, who cares? <laughs> it was special, it's a special thing. You, you didn't open the box, you gotta open up the box, Dad. Come
0: on, where, where is it? I don't have it with me right now. What do you mean?
1: Where, where is it? What did you do with it? Your mother wanted a coffee maker. Oh. <laughs> did you do where's my toaster what did you do nothing dear when we saw it was a toaster we took it over to Bloomingdale's and traded it in for the coffee machine what but
0: I it, it didn't even come from Bloomingdale's they don't know that <laughs> how many of you have ever had that happen to you <laughs> how many of you have ever done that I mean come on don't lie you know I I line up the gifts in the take back pile. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) You know, what's funny is, you know, I I chose that because today we're talking about our second gift of Christmas series. This Christmas is called The Gifts of Christmas. Today we're talking about the gift of grace. And it is amazing how Christmas, while we celebrate grace, can often be a time where we need to give extra grace. Uh, Maybe it's that family member who always seems to be very belittling to you or or maybe it's that you know friend who you know you always get a gift for but they they never get you something or maybe it's you know a boss who just will never seems to think that a christmas bonus at christmas or even a christmas coffee card is worth his time and and, and, you know we can just have some of these failed expectations you know and and Or or maybe you're one of those defenders of Christmas where you get mad at everybody else because they do buy gifts or they do put up Christmas trees or things like that. It's amazing how a season where we celebrate the man who came into the world full of grace and truth can sometimes have anything by And so this morning, we're going to talk about what's probably the most important gift, the gift of grace. By our Heavenly Father, as we open up to the Word of God now, we ask in Jesus' name that you would open up our hearts to receive and our minds to perceive. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. When I first moved here, uh, I met a very interesting character in our church. His name is Don Shilley. Anybody know Don Schilly? Uh, he was a police officer. But more than that, he was a California Highway Patrol police officer, and uh, whoo that's right. That's right. We got a few of those. And uh, so he pulled a lot of people over for tickets. And one thing he told me is he said, Tom, if the police or the sheriff pull you over, you might be able to talk your way out of the ticket. He said, but if the CHP, if they pull you over, you will not. Just prepare to get a ticket, prepare your emotions, prepare your heart. They're going to come ready to write that sucker out. And he was a California Highway Patrol for 40 years. I believed him. And so, you know, my, it's my first year here, and I don't know how far everything is, you know, and so I had to go to Sacramento, no, Redding, for uh, a pastor's conference. I have my whole family in the car, and I'm convinced that Redding is like two or three hours up the road. <laughs> <laughs> I really thought that. I looked on a map, you know, I kind of like did that whole, you know, we did the miles thing. I'm like, oh, I think, I think we could going to, this is long before I thought to use my smartphone. But anyway... So we're on the road, and all of a sudden I'm realizing it is far away, mean, I'm looking at the miles. We are not gonna make it. We gotta check into this thing. I'm brand new to this district. I don't wanna look like a slob the first day there. And so I am cruising. And the beauty of Highway 99 is it's 70 miles an hour most of the way, the speed limit. Except for one little section in one little town called Merced. So I'm cruising at a nice 75, you know, because, uh, you know, Don said almost every cop will give you five. And, and, uh, and all of a sudden, I, I, you know, 75 kind of becomes 80, and <clears throat> maybe 85. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I've got a wonderful California Highway Patrolman behind me with his lights on, I did not notice. He drove behind me probably for about a half hour, half mile or so, not a half hour.
1: <laughs>
0: and uh, and finally, he has to get on the uh, speaker. Pull over! I went, oh no. I mean, my, my day was about to be real. I was about to say, you know what, forget it. It'd be better to not even show up at this point uh, than to keep going. So I pull over, and I'm like, Get everything out, you know. I get the driver's license and the insurance and all that. And and and, and I hate this. Word, <laughs> I'm not picking on you at all. He, he comes up all happy. He comes up all smiling, you know? I mean, I'm just, I, I'm out 500 bucks and this guy's happy, you know? He comes up, hey, what you in a hurry for? That is my hey, you know? And, and I'm like, hey, you know, and I, and I, and I, and I I told the truth I said you know what I'm on my way to a pastor's conference I just moved to California I didn't realize how far away Reading was and I just it just got away from me I, just, I didn't want to be late and he kind of looks at me and smiles and goes you're a pastor? I'm <laughs> like <laughs> yes he goes you know what thank you for being honest with me and he takes, my, he takes my stuff and walks back to his car and he comes back and he says what's the name of your church? I said, you know, Neighborhood Bible Church is what our name used to be. Where is it? It's in Bakersfield. He walked back. I think he's checking to see if I'm really, you know, what's your name? Tom Nackey. He goes, so you don't know what Jerry Ruff? Jerry Ruff was the previous pet. I'm thinking to myself, now he's convinced I'm lying, right? <laughs> he hands me back my wallet and my uh, my uh, driver's license, and I, I go to... I go to um, get the ticket, because i figured he's about to hand me a ticket. He goes, hey look, since you're new here, I'm gonna cut you a break, but this little short section of freeway goes out to 65, so I need you to slow down for me, okay? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can do that. I can go real slow. He'll save me 500 bucks, I'll go 30 for you. <laughs> and he let me go. I told Don this afterward, he goes, oh, he goes, that's a miracle. We are trained. We're not supposed to do that. It's a waste of state money to pull over a vehicle. You're not going to write a ticket for it. I said, he's going He said, well, he said, you know, I – he said, you know, whatever, whatever you were drinking that day – I don't think he meant alcohol, but, you know, whatever <laughs> cup you were drinking of out of that day, I'd just keep that cup and, you know, put it away because – You've got something that comes every once in the blue's room possible. And I realized that day that I was shown something. I was shown grace. I was speeding. I'm not going to lie to you. I was speeding. I was speeding to say things. And he showed me grace. But you know what's funny? When I pulled out, guess what I did the rest of the day? I drove the speed line. Because I was afraid of getting pulled over again. No, I know there's not that many cops. I knew that I had probably beat the odds that I found the one that was there that day. There was just something inside me that was like, you know what? After just getting let off of a deserved ticket, I'm not going to turn around and do 90. Right? You ever, you ever have that feeling? You know, I'm not going to turn around. After just being shown grace from the law, I'm not going to turn around and break anything. Grace Jesus. The other time I was in line for Starbucks. I, I don't get Starbucks often, unless, especially if I have to pay for it. In fact, I don't think I've paid for it a long time. But you know, you get gift cards and stuff like that. So I was in line for Starbucks, and the guy in front of me is ordering out the whole store. And I have to get some. I'm mad. In fact, I'm getting so mad that there's three ladies behind me and I'm starting to talk about the guy in front of me to them, trying to get the women to start talking. (laughs) Start grumbling and start complaining. And then finally, he goes, oh wait, I forgot about this. And I went, oh, really loud. To show, you know, and, and, and I could tell the cashier's getting nervous. Everybody in the store can see that I am about to erupt. And the guy, he never looked back, never looked at me. He's just going about his thing. He's like a, a steel back in front of me. He it must have taken 15 minutes. Starbucks is supposed to be like fast food. You're in and out. 15 minutes. I'm thinking to myself, you could have got the muffins cheaper at Costco. You could have got the scones at Winco. Why would you go to Starbucks for this stuff? So I'm furious. And I get up there, and all of a sudden the lady says, what do you want? Whatever you want. I said, well, no, I can only, I'm only going to get a coffee. Thank you. I can't afford a $6. And she looks at me. And she goes, well, that gentleman, he just left a $10 bill and said, whatever drink you want, you get.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so I still got a coffee. because That's all I like. And then she said, keep the change. So I earned you know, $7 in 15 minutes. Which may not seem like a lot to you, but it was to me. <laughs> it's that gift of grace. When you receive it, it changes you. When I received grace from the cop, it changed the way I drove. When I received grace from the Starbucks guy, it changed the way I judge people. Grace is one of the greatest agents that God has given us. To bring about the change he desires. If you have a Bible with me, turn to John chapter 1, verse 14. John chapter 1, verse 14. This is the Christmas verse in the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John doesn't have the shepherds and the angels and the cattle and all that kind of stuff. John goes straight to the theology of Christmas. And he says this, he says, beginning verse 14, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father. What? Full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when he said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of the grace already given. What was the grace already given? It was the law. Verse 17, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And in verse 18, no one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father. He's made him known. Jesus has made God known to us. What is God full of? Grace and if you were to come across Jesus when he was alive, there would have been some similarities and some differences. He would have looked like a man. He would have felt like a man. Probably would have had leathery hands. He's a a hardworking man. He would have smelled like a man. He would have, uh, you know, had a beard like a man. He would have slept like a man. There would have been a lot of things where if you were standing right next to him, you, you were just standing next to another man. But what was inside of him was completely different. John says that Jesus was full of grace and truth. Full of something that we're not naturally full of. We as human beings, I don't know about you, but I've lived long enough to realize I am full of pride and selfishness. I am full of blindness, spiritual blindness. I am full of self-centered and self-serving motivations that I have to fight every day just to be nice to all of you. (laughs) That's a little dramatic, but you know what I'm saying. Jesus was full of grace and truth. He may have looked the same as a human, but once you began to see him act, you'd go, wow, something is really different about this guy. He's full of grace and truth. Where's the pride? He seems to see things in the spiritual realm that we can't understand. Because while he may have looked like us on the outside, he was anything but us on the inside. I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 19. This is going to be my primary example for the gift of grace this morning. It's a story about Jesus and a short, rich guy. Yes, they exist. A short, rich guy. (laughs) Named Zacchaeus. In Luke chapter 19. One of the first things we learn about Zacchaeus is yes. He's short. He's rich. He's also corrupt. He was a little guy. In uh, verse 1 it says Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. There was a man named Zacchaeus. He had to run ahead of the crowd. On account of him being short. Now you have to understand. Zacchaeus was quite wealthy. He was not just a tax collector, he was the chief tax collector. This is a guy who's got his own private jet, uh, his vacation home in Hawaii. I mean, he is what we would consider the Bill Gates of his day. Can you imagine Jesus is walking through Bakersfield, he's in downtown Chester, and all of a sudden, Bill Gates passes you and runs up and climbs up a tree and is looking at Jesus. I don't know about you, But I don't see too many wealthy men run. They pay people to run for them. Right? You know, they don't ever have to really move fast because they snap their finger and their servant moves fast for them. This is what already makes this story a little different. A tax collector in Jesus' day was a part of one of the biggest Ponzi schemes in history. And the Romans were brilliant. Rather than having Roman tax collectors that everybody hated, they employed Jewish tax collectors. The Romans had a set percentage depending on the wealth of that province. And that's what they had to get. But the Jewish tax collector could add a percentage on top of that of whatever he felt like. They were Jewish. They betrayed their God. They betrayed their country. Many times they portray their family. These were the people who repossessed homes, who emptied retirement accounts. Think about your money, your money, your bank account. It's got some zeros behind it. Now imagine a guy like me, a short wannabe rich guy, <laughs> comes up and takes your money. Bill, bell, bell, bell. Produce some feelings. Because all of a sudden, without money, you can't pay your house bill. Now, you've got to figure out how to live in the Kern river. All of a sudden, you've got no way to pay doctor. You've got no money to help your kids out. You are broke, and this guy is taking your money, and he's got the full weight of the Roman Empire backing him up. There's absolutely nothing you can do about it. Talk about becoming one of the most hated men in the country, right? So, this man runs ahead of the crowd, and he climbs into the tree. And what does Jesus do? He says, Zacchaeus, come on down. It's very interesting. You know what Zacchaeus means? It means the righteous one. It's kind of a, his name really betrays his character. As soon as Jesus said Zacchaeus, you could almost hear the whole crowd going, yeah, <laughs> He's righteous? Yeah. <laughs> That's like saying, you know, Tom's funny or tall or smart. You know, I mean, you get these kind of odd parallels going on here. But my first point is, and it's a powerful point. Number 1. Jesus calls Zacchaeus by name. Jesus gives Zacchaeus a personal grace. And all almost every other faith in the whole wide world, God is far away. He doesn't know your name. He's either abandoned the planet or he's over the planet or over the overarching universe. But he is not face-to-face close with you until we get to Christianity, until we get to Jesus. Where he says, Zacchaeus, come on down. Jesus always, always does this. He calls it by name. Two seconds after I die, I'm going to hear my name. I'm going to be floating somewhere, hopefully toward the heavenly light, and I'm going to hear Tom. It's my God voice. Tom! Why did you eat so much pizza? You could have stayed down there longer. How did Tanya get here before you? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Second thing, he didn't just call him by name. He said, I want to go over to your house. If you keep following the story. Number two, Jesus accepted him openly. It's a public grace. He says to Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house. He's saying, I want to be your friend. I accept you. I want, I mean, in his day as in our day, when you invite somebody over your house to eat, it's a sign of friendship. It's a sign of acceptance. There are some people, because of what they stood for, I would not go and eat with them when they asked me to eat. It caused great ruckus. They realized that You know, I I had some issues with them. I said, I will not go and eat with you yet. There are some things we need to work out. And I don't want to do it over dinner. Jesus is doing the exact opposite. Now, let me ask you a question. How many people do you think ever really wanted to die with Zacchaeus? He's ripping off the people. He's ripping off the servants. He's a ripoff. He's Bernie Madoff times 10. If Zacchaeus did anything, this is a man who ate alone. And the first thing Jesus says is, I'm willing to eat with you. I'm willing to sit with you. And he does it in front of everybody. <laughs> I probably would have done it in private, right? <laughs> hey, I'm going go to go over your house. I'm going to love you. I'm going to accept you. I'm not even going to die for your sins. But you know what? Let's just not let the crowd know because right now they really like me right now and I'm just working home and I let's, we can to, to do this behind the scenes, right? <laughs> not Jesus. Jesus did it publicly in front of the crowd. Same crowd. Showing us once again that Jesus is the man who invites his enemies to be his friends. And those you would think would be his friends? turn out to be his enemies. And so the crowd begins to grumble. And you see two reactions. Zacchaeus, he says, yes, come on. Let's have lunch. Zacchaeus is blown away. You are going to eat with You know when the last time I ate with somebody, you want to come to my house? You're willing to sit in my courtyard? Zacchaeus says, yes, Jesus. And the crowd begins to grumble. Rather than talking to Zacchaeus, they're talking about Zacchaeus. Rather than talking to Jesus, they're talking about Jesus. Jesus went from cool to lame in a matter of seconds. Why? Because Jesus was not of this world. Jesus was not of this world. He was full of grace and truth. and We're full of pride and blindness. And so, and I see this. It's almost a common thing whenever I see grace poured out. I've been in ministry almost 16 years now, full-time. and I've seen some of the ugliest parts of church you can ever imagine. I've seen when people begin to question the leader of a church or a ministry or an organization. You get kind of questions kind of like, well, should they be making that decision? Or should we be loving those people in that way? Or aren't we being a little accommodating to this type of person? What does the crowd say? Look at their, if you ever find Bible, look at this, look what the crowd says. They said, Jesus, he's a sinner. Got knock some sense in you. How could you do that? What is Jesus saying by his, to some degree, his silence in the story? I've come to seek and save the lost. Right now, I have the Queen Mary right in front of me. But there's another thing here. What the crowd is also saying is, Jesus, we're better than him. We're better than he is. You may need to die for us, but our sin is not that bad. You know I mean? Of course God loves us. We're pretty lovable people next to this guy, Zacchaeus. It causes us to ask the question this Christmas. Who, if God forgave and saved them, would cause you to grumble? Where do we become part of that crowd? It says, God, really? You're going to give grace to that person? You're going to give grace to our enemies? You're going to call our enemies our friends? What? And there is a reason. Point number four. Jesus doesn't take it back it's perpetual grace the reason why Jesus pours his grace out is because he's convinced that everybody can change I remember reading this story I remember thinking I bet you this is one of those stories that they just put in there not that it wasn't true but come on you know Zacchaeus was probably having a really good PR day you know he was able to win back the love of the people, and he gave back a little bit of money here and there, and now he's one of Jesus' friends, and all of a sudden, not everybody's mad at him anymore. Maybe a few people are coming over, but it wasn't sincere. I mean, come on. Haven't you had those days where you get all emotional in church, and you, you say, to tell God you're going to do something, but by Thursday, it's just gone, you know? I, 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 that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, you know, Zacchaeus, he's just one of those, you know, oh, he got a little emotional on Sunday, but hey, you know, let's just be sensible about these things. There wasn't real change. I believe that. I really believe that with all my heart for nearly eight years. Until one day, I came across something that blew me out of the water as I was reading sermons from the early church. In the late first century, a pastor by the name of Clement lived in Rome, Italy. He wrote a sermon where he referenced Zacchaeus. The one that Jesus called out of the sycamore tree. And all of a sudden I went, oh my goodness. We've got some more on this guy. There's a a part B to the story. I I can't wait to read it. You know what happened to Zacchaeus? He gave all his money away. He became pastor of the first church in Caesarea. Philip was under him and his daughters prophesied in that church. Zacchaeus was the pastor. Not only was he the pastor, but by the time Clement wrote his sermon, Zacchaeus was the bishop. He was the pastor of pastors. You know what my first thought was? Grace is the most dangerous they can turn Bernie off into Jack Aver. It's amazing. So I want to close by just saying, may we never look at somebody and say, ah, that's who they are, and that's who they'll always be. The greatest gift of Christmas is not just the grace we receive, but also the grace we're now free to give. Bow your heads with me for a moment. Worship you forward. I want to ask you a question. Who's on that list for you? Someone who abused you, ripped you off, defrauded you, took respect away from you? Someone who's hurt you? Someone who failed expectations? Maybe it's a family member that you're going to see this Christmas, or someone who's been long since dead. And yet you would have the same reaction of the crowd. No, Jesus. Not him. Anybody else but him. Let that person come to your heart right now. And I pray. You'd fight it in your heart to show grace. Because anyone who's received the grace of Jesus. Truly received it is just get you to share it. And how can we receive grace and turn around and not extend it to others? John said the word became flesh, full of grace and truth. When we go from this world into the next, all of what we have operating in us now, it's gone. That's why we really won't be the same even if we look the same, even if God resurrected this body, which I pray to God he doesn't, but even if I had to live like this forever, I'd gladly accept the outside so long as he changes everything about me on the inside. That I would be Tom Nacky, full of grace and truth. That you would be you, full of grace and truth. Just stand with me and we'll close with one more song.